that. But um, we're going to begin today, and we're going to start with uh, Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, and he gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars, and he gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to their young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you that we can be together again today as, as a community, as a fellowship around your gospel, as an epicenter of your reconciliation. Lord, we, we're here because we need to be reconnected to you, to one another, and to who we were made to be. Lord, we give you thanks that we can be in this, in this space, in this place where that can happen. And we ask already that your, that your presence, that our awareness of that presence as you speak to us and as we worship you will become clear to us. We pray a blessing over this space and everybody that's gathering. We pray that you would lift us up now to be in communion with you as we also are in community with one another. We ask this in your name, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to worship. Let's praise him. If you don't have a song sheet, there's the words. Um, we have a little area for kids being set up over here. So if you have a little one and you want to go over there in the grass, um, Pastor Christy is going to be doing some stuff over there. And yeah, let's worship the Lord. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
with that we want to use this time as a treasure that it is and to, to be open to now what you would have us have us here we know that when we open your scriptures that uh, thanks to your Holy Spirit uh, we, we actually are hearing from you Lord, we ask that right now your your presence 
give us the, the grace to hear what you have to tell us and that we would be willing and ready to listen. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking today at Isaiah in the 40th chapter, so you can kind of start heading there with me now. Isaiah chapter 40. And you can see we have a little area here for the kids, and if you are at home watching and you're wondering what happens with the kids, well, we're kind of starting over trying to get stuff going, even for the children of the church. So if you ever want to come, Pastor Christie's going to start doing a little time with them over there uh, during the sermon, and then they're going to, I think they're going to lead us in some exuberant uh, dancing during the rest of the worship music time. But uh, yeah, I encourage you to start engaging as much as you can as we start ramping back up, um, being the community. Hopefully you've had time to get to Isaiah 40. We're going to read verses 27 through 31 together. Isaiah 40, 27 through 31 together. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths fall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord to us, and we give thanks to God. Those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait. That word wait is, is actually a word that conveys a lot of a lot of endurance and perseverance. But the background behind this word and its use in Hebrew is um, one of what being twisted. One of being stretched is what this word physically means. And the endurance that's needed to wait in this life. Those who wait for the Lord, those who feel like in their waiting that they are being twisted and they're, they're being stretched. Even they're being asked to have to persevere just to get through this day to try and think about the next one. And yet this is exactly where the Lord calls us into this period of waiting, into this context of waiting where it feels like there's this twisting, where it feels like there's this being stretched, where it feels like the long endurance sometimes takes away our senses of joy or happiness. Those who wait for the Lord, why must we wait? Why is there this twisting? Why is there this stretching that happens? You know, Adam and Eve had had it all. 
this story of creation that, that informs us of God's plans for his design for us as humans, for, for each one of us. That design included that we would be in perfect relation with everything God had made and even God, God's self. That's something that we and you and I can't even imagine right now. That doesn't make sense because we, we have not, that's not our experience right now, but that original design of God was that there would be perfect relation and harmony between you and, and this amazing creation, between you and, and even God's self. Adam and Eve would walk with God. In that, in that type of relationship where you could ask them anything and, and feel that love back and forth, which I know most people have had at one time or another with a parent or, or with, with a loved one. That's how you were designed to be with God and with this world and with creation. And then that serpent comes up and begins to speak a lie that now has infected all of us. This lie that you actually cannot wait. It's not good to wait for God. Waiting on the Lord does not make sense because the Lord in some way, shape or form cannot be trusted. And if we're honest, if we're honest, then that lie is alive and well within each of us. That, that, that voice inside of us that says, can I really wait on the Lord? Or probably do I need to take matters into my own hands? Can, can I wait on the Lord? Particularly when I feel like I've done that already and it didn't lead me anywhere. Can I wait on the Lord when I had put all of my hope and faith and trust and in, in this person's life or my own life turning around and, and the opposite happened. I think about the idea of like a, a cliff moment where we're waiting on the Lord, we're waiting on the Lord, we feel like we're passing through those times where we're being stretched and we're being twisted and we come to the cliff where either, either we're gonna go over it or the Lord, as we understand it, will show up and the cliff comes and we go right over it. And that voice comes slithering up to us why are you waiting on the Lord? Why are you doing that? You know there's a better way. Reach out, grab the apple, take a big bite. Grab the fruit, whatever it is, take a big bite. Take your life into your own hands. So, we do this in each of our own lives. The result is that when we walked away from this beautiful, this amazing, this powerful, this intimate relationship with God and, and the design, everything fell apart and now there is suffering in this world and now everything is broken. So, so we know this brokenness and we know this suffering ironically because of our own ways that we bring about hardship. We do things that affect our own lives. We do things that affect other people's lives. Other people do things that affect their lives. Other people do things that affect my life. And now it just goes round and round like this carousel brokenness. But we also wait for another reason. We're also twisting and turning and being stretched, having to persevere for a second reason. You know, Jesus promised that he's gonna come again, but has he? 
Maybe it's because of our own hands that we're living in this in this fallen world, but you know, his promise is he'll come again and make all things new, but he hasn't yet. And so we're waiting because of that also. We're waiting because of how we broke it, but we're also waiting because the one who will fix it has not yet come again. We're waiting because God has a purpose in this waiting. We're waiting because God's work is being hewn out of the stone in our times of perseverance. James is bold enough to begin his letter, his letter to the church like this. Consider it pure joy, pure joy or utmost joy, like the purest form of joy when what? When you face trials of many kinds. He's like, you want the pure stuff? <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. It's when you're facing trials. It's when you're waiting. It's when you're twisting and being stretched. He talks about this because he says the testing of faith produces perseverance. And that perseverance, the work, includes you becoming mature and complete. Basically returning to that design of, of God for your life. And that design in which you have, again, that being reconnected to God, to others, to who you are. In here in Isaiah, we were being given this idea that waiting is a good thing, but there's promises attached to this. And I want to be quick to remind us that this is not something that I'm making up. This is something that we're seeing directly from scripture. <laughs> the Lord says, for those who wait on the Lord, okay, and this is verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. And then he gives us, there's two images here. One of being able to run and not be weary, to, to walk and not be faint. I'm gonna call that a, a quantitative strength. And then they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And I want to talk about a qualitative strength. If you wait for the Lord, first there's this quantitative promise. As much as you feel like you're being stretched and twisted, and as many times as you come to the edge of the cliff and you feel like you've gone over, there still is a promise right here that's, that's quantitative, that you will have what you need to get to the next day to get to the next moment. This idea that you will run and not be weary. You will walk and not be faint. You will have what you need to get to the end. I'm reminded of Israel passing through the desert. What, what, what are the needs of people passing through the desert? Well, water, God gives them that. And also food. What did God do for their food? Every day, bread would fall from the, from the heavens like dew and it would be on the ground and they would come out and they would be able to pick it up and eat it. But what did God say about that bread? Were they allowed to store it up and save for the future? No, in fact, God's direct, direct command was, don't do that because it's not gonna work. I'm gonna give you bread for today and tomorrow you're gonna to need to still depend on me because he knows that within our hearts is still that same lie 
that we can't wait on the Lord. We shouldn't wait on the Lord. So even there in the desert, you see God already trying to work on our hearts, already trying to work on our minds, our orientation to once again be those that are waiting on him, those that are hoping in God, those that are looking for our future in God, even day by day. It was, it can't get more practical than that. I'm giving you bread today. You have no idea what you're going to have tomorrow, except that I'm going to give it to you. In fact, the Israelites tried in the desert to save up food, and what happened? It went rotten overnight. <laughs> so much of our lives go rotten overnight when we try and wait on something else than the Lord. So there's this, qu there's this quantitative promise that God will give you the bread you need for today. Now, there's not a promise that says your life is going to be perfect. It's not a life that's, it's not a promise that says there, you're not going to know suffering. In fact, this is one of the things that Jesus also promised, is that we would, we would go through trials. He promised those closest disciples of his even that they would end up dying for him. But the quantitative promise is that each and every day we're going to be given what we need and even it will be felt by us, if we do this the right way, as pure joy, as utmost joy. How does that work out in real time? I can't tell you that. This is, there's something mysterious about this. There's divine, there's miracle about this, that God is working out in each one of us the restoration of how we were created to be. And part of that is, if we are waiting on the Lord, we receive everything we ever wanted, even when it would appear illogical to us because we're with our own eyes seeing people we love go through such hardship or ourselves approaching that edge but it's not just quantitative the promise is not just that we'll walk and not grow weary the promise is not just that you're going to have your bread for each day there's also this qualitative promise that those who wait on the lord transcend the limitations of this world he says it will be like if you were to go up on wings as if on eagles this promise is that it's not just that you're going to get to the end of the day and you're going to make it but in fact you're going to be able to go past this lie that's in your life that you you can't rely on the lord and this reality that has been created that we are broken and you're going to soar you're going to rise up and your life will feel like it is transcending the, the limitations even the sufferings of this world because of what we know in the gospel. Jesus' own words in Matthew 11, he says to each one of us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I love it. You hear the chainsaws? This is the real world, okay? Jesus, sometimes when we think of the Bible and, and we're, we're in church, it's like we're separating ourselves from the world for a little moment and it's like the promises are for inside and then we actually live outside. Jesus came and stood among people who were cutting trees and, and bushes, who were living with people who were going through the hardships of, of suffering and, and the coronavirus of 2,000 years ago. They're going through the realities of, of cancer, going through the realities of, of hardship financially. 
And he said these words, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think for a lot of people, when we get to those cliff moments and we go over after having trusted in the Lord, it can cause us to begin to question some of the foundations of, of our faith and that lie comes back. And for people that are not following Christ, even that come to those cliff edges where they've hoped things would be different and they go over, they still turn back and point the finger at God. Why would a good God let something like that happen? Well, first of all, we've created the mess we're in, right? We've believed the lie. But secondly, that lie needs to be called out. Again, I don't, I can't describe the miracle that happens here. But the call of the Lord of the Lord, the call of Christ for you today is to continue to wait on the Lord in every moment of hardship in your life, even if it doesn't seem to make sense based on what's happened or where you see things are going. Because when you do that, the Lord's promise is that there will be a quantitative and there will be a qualitative difference in the type of strength that you're going to have in your life. With, the, with this full purpose of God, again, connecting us back to our original design of faith and trust in him. The bread for each day and to be able to soar as if on wings of eagles. And if you're looking for how to take one step towards waiting on the Lord, Jesus has given it. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and, and learn from me. Are we spending time learning from Jesus? This is the practical form of what God means, of what Jesus means by waiting upon him. Knowing that God is good and, and he is ordering all things and learning from him. How are you spending your life learning from Jesus? Well, if you're listening to this message, obviously that's part of it. Good job. And now for the rest of the week, <laughs> it's on you. <laughs> How are you going to be learning from Jesus the rest of this week? How are you going to be exercising your waiting? Even amidst the twisting, the stretching, and the need for perseverance, learning upon, learning in Jesus, to take that yoke, that yoke of Jesus upon you, so that you will know the quantitative, that you will know the qualitative strength that he has promised, that you will mount up on wings like eagles. And I leave you with this. The word also was used in, in some Aramaic ways as... Um, the twisting and the turning that they would need to form a rope or also a spider's web. The idea that also, like as James is talking about, this, this, this going through perseverance and this going through trials also makes us into this, into this strength, like a spider's web or this rope. You'll be able to bear up more in this life and as the church together we will be able to bear up more in our testament, our testament, our witness, or in our testimony to others. This is the Lord's plan for each one of us.
that we would not flounder in the darkness under the weight, the brokenness in this world, but that through, again, the miracle is, a, is something that Jesus does and the Holy Spirit does for us and our waiting on him, that our quantitative and qualitative strength would be miraculous. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that you would give us of this daily bread and that you would give us of this mounting up on wings like eagles. For today we pause and we are waiting on you. We're here to learn from you and as we wait on you, Lord, help us to put that yoke upon us. Lord, help us to, to put to uh, one side that lie that we cannot wait on you any longer or that that has failed. Lord, help us to, to return to faith and to put our full faith in you as our Lord and as our Savior, as the one who is guiding us as Lord, as the one who is saving us as Savior. Both for today and into eternal life. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Let's receive.